Welcome to James Explores the New Mutants, the podcast that, you guessed it, explores, explains, and examines the comic book series The New Mutants, its rebranding, relaunches, and spinoffs in an attempt to share my passion for this series, its characters, writers, and artists. In episode number 10, we see our heroes, the New Mutants, engaging in gladiatorial combat. Yeah, I said it. Gladiatorial combat. In fact, it does seem as though most Claremontian superheroes, at one time or another, were fighting in the gladiatorial arenas. You know, it's as though, in fact, most mutants have been gladiators. We've got Dazzler, Beast, the X-Men, and of course the New Mutants. It's like it's a rite of passage. Boy, to be a mutant in the Marvel Universe, you got to be a gladiator. Who'd have thunk it? I had no idea the Romans were so influential. Uh, but we're going to just see exactly how influential the Romans are in issue number nine, entitled Arena. Before we dive into issue number nine of the New Mutants, entitled Arena, I do want to review the creative team really quickly. Uh, obviously, Chris Claremont's writing, editors Luis Jones, editor-in-chief is Jim Shooter, pencils by uh, Sal Busema, and letters by Tom Orzachewski, and uh, colors by Glynis Ween. Um, the finisher for this, the anchor and finishing uh, artist, is Tom Mandrake. And this is his first time on this series. Uh, prior to this, uh, we've had a few other artists, but it's been McLeod, either doing pencils or um, or finishing work. And, and he has finally stepped away from the, the title altogether. Um, in his interviews in the past, what he has, what he has said is that um, it was the rush schedule. Um, he just didn't feel like the quality of his work was up to, up to par where he wanted it. In, in addition, he didn't like Team America. He didn't like that they had showed up in the book. He thought it was a really tacky concept, and he didn't enjoy uh, doing the art for that team. He found it very... Um, he didn't, he didn't appreciate it. And the saddest part about this, in my opinion, is this is when the issue... Like, there was quality writing and quality artwork in those first issues. And really, it's in this moment where the New Mutants are in no, Nova Roma, where this title begins to find its footing. And it starts telling stories that are very much New Mutant stories. And it's only going to improve from here. And it's a shame that the the artists that helped bring us these characters, these amazing characters, really define them for us is stepping away because his work on this book is exceptional. It was exceptional. And, you know, it's there's so many points where we're going to look at artists that we're going to see later on down the road and we're going to we're going to be able to compare them to what McLeod has had, had done in these early issues. And, and they don't even hold a candle, in my opinion, to him. 
Uh, their artwork's great, but just the way they present the characters, just the way they have the characters relate on the page, just the way, you know, they really present the characters to the reader in some ways is is troubling. Um, but we're not going to get into that. I do want to just cel- take a moment and celebrate McLe- Bob McLeod because without him, we wouldn't have these characters, at least in the version. In there, this is his vision of what these characters looked like, and, and it's beautiful. They're fantastic characters, and his detail as far as their facial expressions, the way he presented them um, on the page is, is wonderful. And I've raved and raved and raved about him for good reason. If you haven't seen his artwork, I highly encourage, I highly encourage you to go out and, and, and find, especially his new early issues of the New Mutants series, find that graphic novel. Just take a look at it, bask in it. You know, and, and, and the shame is that had they not forced, had Shooter Knots mandated that it, it take issue number one, become that graphic novel, they, the Claremont and McLeod might have built up a backlog of issues, and, and maybe that wouldn't have put him under so much pressure to get artwork out. And he may have been able to work at his own pace for a little bit longer, which would have meant that he might have been able to, to do the, the pencils, you know, but he still had an issue of trying to find an anchor that he trusted, that he liked, you know, and, and so that put him in a position where he was having to do the, the penciling and the ink, which is a lot of work, you know, and, and so that's why they brought in Busema and he was going to ink the titles, and then it just got to the point where he did not like what they were doing, you know, and it, if you don't like what you're putting out as a product, then why, why continue to do it? It would have been torture, and, you know, it's a shame, a real, a real shame, because like I just said, this is when the title starts to really find its footing. But let's talk about Tom Mandrake. He replaces, he comes on, he's going to replace McLeod as the finisher, as the anchor. He started his work in comics in the 80s. Uh, he did some work for DC. He came into Marvel. And shortly after coming into Marvel, really his first big job for Marvel is is this, his work with the New Mutants uh, as finisher. He, he, uh, Busema does layouts and he provides the finishing art over those layouts that Busema provides him. And he's going to work with uh, Sal Busema on the New Mutants uh, from 1983 to 1984, uh, issues 9 through 17. So up until uh, Sal Busema steps away from the series, really. Um, and, you know, in this issue, uh, Mandrake and Busema, they hit all the notes, in my opinion. They do a fantastic job. Their collaboration is very closely, in my mind, it's very close to what uh, McLeod was putting on the page. And the facial expressions in this issue are fantastic. Um, it, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna have McLeod step away from the book, this is the way to do it. Um, and, and I don't find that they miss much of a beat here. Uh, kudos to these two together they're they're a brilliant pairing uh and and i'm excited to see the rest of these issues as we as we review them so uh yeah that's the creative team so this first page of issue number nine is a splash page and on this page we've got a roman legion coming out of a cave uh behind 
the members of the New Mutants. Uh, we've got Rain Sinclair, who's you can't even tell has had anything happen to her. Uh, she's still wearing her X-Men uniform. Um, well, the rest of her teammates, Danny, Sam, uh, Guthrie, and uh, Roberto DaCosta, they, they're all in tattered clothing. Um, and, and the reason Rain's clothes are unscathed is because she's wearing her uniform, which is made of unstable molecules. And that prevents that from being damaged. Remember, she can transform from her human form to her wolf form and back again without damaging her clothing as long as she's wearing her uh, uniform. And since she's the only one in that, uh, the rest are wearing uh, civilian clothing, and and those clothes have just been destroyed by the rapids and the fight for survival in the river. Um, and what we see is... Uh, Sam Guthrie also holding that woman, Amara, who most of the team doesn't know Rain had had that discussion with her on the rock um, and, and on the boat. So Sam doesn't, you know, doesn't know who this girl is. She, they, they all realize she's white, having had her uh, disguise wash away in the river. Uh, and, and Sam has taken his shirt off and wrapped her in it. He is holding her in, in, in Amara, or this woman, that, that, that girl that looked like she was a native. Uh, she seems to be unconscious. And the Legion heir behind um, the New Mutants, he, he tells them, Welcome to Nova Roma, which is New Rome, right? That's what it translates to. And... On the very next page, we get uh, a two-page spread, a giant single panel that covers two pages, um, and it shows the view from behind the New Mutants. We see each of the members of the New Mutants reacting to this view, uh, as, as you know, in their in their uh, dialogue. And what we figure out is that this city is, one, it's shrouded under clouds. Because it's nestled in this valley in the Andes Mountains, um, these peaks are so high, they, they create pretty inclement weather. And there's constantly storms moving through this area, which keep, keeps this valley pretty much shrouded in clouds. So planes that would fly overhead, even though there's not very many, the few that do, don't see down in this valley. They don't even know the city exists. And it also appears that the only way people can reach this city are through these caverns that the Roman Legion is now taking uh, their prisoners, the New Mutants. Um, it's pretty much the only way. So there's really not a clear, easy path to this city. It's really well hidden. Um, and it looks old. It looks like an old Roman city with old uh, Roman um, what would be today considered to be monuments and uh, back in the days of the Roman Empire would have been what what people lived in uh, you can see something that looks like the Colosseum uh, it's just it looks Roman um, and Roberto, he's ready to fight. He wants to go find his mom. He thinks they need to fight, get away from these guys. Uh, you know, they'd be better. They, they've got to find his mom right now. Uh, Danny, the voice, ever the voice of reason, she talks him down. She tells him, we can't right now. We got to, you know, we're, we're all exhausted. We're all beat up. And 
in addition, they might know where your mom is, or they can help us find her. They speak, you know, they speak English. They're not speaking Latin. They speak our language. We can communicate with them. They're going to help us. They're adults. They can help us. Uh, Danny's kind of changing, right? She used to be this, uh, she used to always fight against authority of any form. And here she's very much like being prudent, biding her time, taking in what seemed to be pretty intelligent risks, um, and trying to talk her teammates into a much more calm uh, state, right? A much more uh, thought-based, um, calm, react, less, less reactionary. That's probably the best way of saying that. Um, and we also see down here that... Um, Amara, she's talk, she's whispering to Sam. He's the only one that realizes she's awake. And and she's warning him that, you know, they telling him, you know, please don't let him know I'm awake. Don't tell him who I am. Like, please, my life depends on it, you know. Uh, and he's surprised that she's not unconscious. Um, but she needs them to think she's one of the party. She, they, they can't find out who she is. And so, you know, Sam goes along with it. He doesn't turn her, turn her over. Uh, and they, what, what ends up happening is the Roman soldiers take their prisoners, the new mutants, and this young lady to their dungeon, and they toss them into a cell. And Romerto is really quick to point out to Danny, hey, you said they were going to help us. Uh, they didn't. Um, and Danny, she's still pretty calm and collected, right? She immediately, she's like... We're going to figure this out. She has uh, Rain go to the door to see if anyone's listening um, or if anybody's nearby. She transforms to her lupine state, that half-wolf, half-human form. She gets down by the door, and she listens. Nobody's out there. But again, she is very sensitive to sense, right, Um, in her uh, lupine form, in her animal form. And she's disgusted by the stench. And Roberto's like, well, it's a dungeon. What did you expect? He's really upset, and he's being kind of a dick right now. Um, and so he's lashed out at Rain, and now he demands explanations from the young lady that's with them, this lady that none of them know who she is except for kind of Rain. And we finally start to get some. She tells them her name, Amara, Juliana, Olivia, Aquila. And she explains that her father's um, a famous, a, a, a powerful, fir- the first senator of Nova Roma. His name's Lucius Antonius Aquila. And that, you know, she's sorry about Roberto's mother. Um, and, and she is, we get a tone from Amara that, like, when she's written well, this is kind of where she's at. Her character's not fully developed and... The unfortunate thing is she's never very well developed throughout the series. Um, And here we get kind of a good benchmark for where she kind of should exist. Uh, And this is, this is, here's a good example. Here's what she tells Roberto. I am truly sorry about your mother, Roberto. I pray she is still alive or that her death was quick and without pain. You know, and that's, that really encapsulates her, right? She is kind of regal, but very, you know, like 
honorable, right? Like very like black or white kind of mentality. Either hope she's good or she died, you know, quickly. Like it's just that's kind of where she rides. Um normally her her personality. Um and he, and so Roberto's like, well, could she be in the, is it possible that she's in the city? Is it possible they found her? These, these soldiers found her. And she tells him that if they'd found her, she would be in the cells. And so Roberto's upset. He's, his, it, it, this panel's really good. His reaction, he's looking at us, the reader, and he's just clenching his fists. He looks like he's ready to fight. His teeth are clenched, his face partly shrouded in shadow. And his friends, you can tell, they're looking at him and their concerned looks on their face. Um, uh, Amara's reaching for his arm, and he tells him to say nothing. He wants no sympathy. Just leave him to his rage. And, you know, this is Roberto, right? This is where he's at so often, right? This is a time where he failed his mother even with his superpowers. He failed Juliana even with her, his superpowers. He failed his friend uh, Shane, Coyman, Karma, even with his superpowers. He's not been able to save anyone, right? Even with his abilities. He is a very angry, upset man a teenager most of the time and he's very dramatic about it um he's a kid playing at a playing at being a man very much so um so roberto's obviously pretty upset and danny wants more answers she she wants to understand what's happening here in nova roma and so she she approaches amara and Amara kind of explains the situation. Like, she wants to know what... Danny wants to know, why were you dressed as a native girl? Why were you following our boat? What's going on? And so Amara explains that... So Amara explains further that uh, not all of Nova Roma is made up of Romans. In fact, there's a large group of Incan descendants that live in the city as well. And the Incans had fled to Nova Roma when their civilization was conquered by the Portuguese-Spanish uh, explorers that came to South America. And, uh, well, Rome was a republic. The Incans, in her words, were an absolute monarch. And over time, they have pushed to do away with um, the Republic. So it's a faction. And what I don't understand here is whether this faction is large or small, if it's all Incans or only portion of the Incans. But there is a faction that has formed that is trying to turn Nova Roma into a monarch, having one ruler. And Amara is against that. But she has, ha she has chosen to do that according to her, where in her words... Um, hidden from uh, public eye because her father is a senator and her actions would only do harm to him um, and potentially the republic. And so she has um, done this because she doesn't want to ruin his political clear, career, potentially costing him his life as well. Um, and let, well, let's take a little aside here. Um, the thing I don't like about this, like I said, I don't know if 
um, if there's if it's all the Incan descendants that want this return to a monarch, um, or if it's just a portion of them. And I'll discuss some of the other issues I have later as we are introduced to to more of the Nova, Nova Romans. But from what we see throughout this comic, I can tell you that I don't see anyone that doesn't look like a white person. Um, that is somewhat odd. You would think that you would, if you had two cultures blending together in or intermar- through intermarriage, that you'd see different skin tones other than white, especially if the majority of the society was Incan and not Roman. That aside, you know, that's the story. She is hiding from uh, this faction and trying to prevent, keep from doing her father any damage. That's her story. So Roberto pushes her further at this point. He wants to know why, why was her faction, why were they so interested in her mother and his mother's expedition into, up the Amazon? And she explains that simply by saying, hey, we, the city, Nova Roma, has been secret from the outside world for eons, and we are the only way it's kept secret is because we are wary of outsiders, and that's why we're keeping an eye on your mom's expedition. So they've got their answers. The new mutants have their answers. And they go to the other side of the cell, leaving Amara kind of huddled in the corner, of the, the opposite corner. And they talk about this. They're not sure they can trust her. They don't know if the story she's telling them is true or not. And they're concerned about that. They wish that Xavier was there. They wish that there was a powerful, you know, if somebody that somebody was there that could just kind of force the answers from her. The best they have is Danny, and Danny ends up in this conversation. Um, her powers manifest kind of unexpectedly. She didn't necessarily intend this, but it works for what they need it to do. She pulls from there, from Amara, her deepest, darkest fear. And that's of this woman uh, taking Amara and throwing her in this this horribly looking woman, okay? A really yucky, disgusting, monstrous woman uh, throwing Amara into this pit of fire. And they, you know, Danny's taken aback, as is everyone else, and Amara's left crumbled on the floor. And she tells, through Mar- Amara's uh, dialogue, we understand that this is a black priestess, and it's tossing, and, and what she's doing is throwing Amara into a fiery pit. Um, and Amara is saying that she, nothing can save her. And the boys, of course, take or have a problem with this. And, Rober- and and Sam is ready to just smash through the door. Roberto stops him. Sam's about to ignite his powers, but Roberto stops him and tells him that Sam doesn't have the fine control that Roberto does. And if Sam uses his abilities... He might, he can certainly destroy the door, but he might take down the entire uh, building on top of them. This this rickety old dungeon might collapse on top of them. So Roberto transforms to his sunspot form and smashes the door with ease. Uh, but this, um, and as this is all happening, Amara's trying to stop them, yelling for them to stop. They mustn't smash, you know, break out. And 
and her warnings fall on deaf ears. Like I said, Roberto smashes the door, and darts are shooting sh- shoot from the walls, and they're tipped with sedatives, and it renders the entire room, the mutants and Amara, unconscious, where they lay on the floor. Elsewhere, a Roman bath. We find a gentleman uh, named Marcus Dominus Galileo. And this is a Roman senator. And he is beckoned by uh, Senator Lucas Antonius Aquila. So that's Amara's father, obviously. And Aquila, he wants to know about something that had happened that day. He asks uh, Marcus Dominus about some captives, some young people that were captured, some children with extraordinary powers, to be exact, that were captured outside of Nova Roma. And Marcus is shocked that Aquila knows, uh, and he comments that he's very well informed. And Marcus wants to know, well, yeah, I am very well informed, and what are you going to do with these young people? What exactly is going to happen with them? And Galileo, Marcus Dominus, he tells him, hey, well, obviously, even though they're kids, the boys are going to be taken, and they're going to be put in the arena, and they're going to fight uh, for the, to the death. Um, that's what happens with criminals in this, in this city. And the women, they will be taken to uh, be sold as slaves. Um, and that's really the only thing that can happen to them. And we get this, um, it's almost like a jab. Uh, Senator Aquila uh, tells him, Well, that's splendid. I know the commander of the Civic Guard won't fail us in his duty. Well, that commander of the Civic Guard, I don't know if that's an actual title or if that's just a jab, a poke at him being basically, you know, the, the, the overseer of the arena or if that's an actual title. I tend to read it as a jab because these two are very much uh, opposing each other and it comes across quite well in this exchange. And as the two part ways, Aquila is thinking to himself that he is really the only thing that stops, that stands in the way of uh, Marcus's attempts to, to take over uh, Nova Roma. And he, he's very much willing to sacrifice children to prevent that from happening. Uh, Marcus Dominus Galileo returns home and he is upset. He demands wine, he guzzles it, throws the cup, and the only thing that really seems to calm him down is the presence of his wife, and that's Selena. And for any long-time X-Men fans, you will know that she is a becomes the Black Queen. She is a longtime X-Men villain. This is her first appearance here in issue number nine of New Mutants. Her name is Sen- Selena Galileo. She is the wife of uh, Marcus Domitus Galileo. Uh, she is apparently of Incan descent, but here it's going to be later retconned that she's actually Roman. She's got pretty much, in, she's immortal. Uh, she's essentially a psychic vampire, and we're going to discuss her abilities more as they become relevant. But to begin with, 
what we find out through conversation with her husband uh she she is a master of the black arts and he doesn't want that her she she's willing to help him destroy senator aquila but he doesn't want to do that he wants to beat uh galileo on his own or galileo wants to beat senator aquila on his own using political intrigue apparently the only thing that makes him you know the manly thing to do apparently in this society that's kind of how i read this um what we do find out is that what had happened is galileo he's really upset because he had captured these mutants he planned to use them as his his own, you know as weapons to help him overthrow the overthrow the government here in in, in nova roma but when aquila found out he had forced his hand it forced him to send these these perfect warriors to the to the arena and that's what's really upset him well even though selena can't use her black art she does have a gift for her husband and she leads him down into the dungeon below their their uh, estate and in the dungeon she waves her hand at a wall and it reveals a door uh and inside this room it this door is a is a cell door and inside the cell we see a man we recognize and he introduces him to his cat himself to his captives captives uh as castro he is the gentleman that was on the boat he sabotaged the boat that roberto and the new mutants were on he is working for sebastian shaw and uh roberto's father and castro explain you know he has taught he has made an offer to selena and selena asks him to to repeat the offer to her husband and castro explains hey my boss wants the rights to the minerals in these mountains and beneath the city if you give us those rights if you give us those rights that'll make us extremely wealthy we will help you in your cause we'll bring you weapons and whatever you need guns whatever you need to overthrow and take control of nova roma and this changes obviously marcus uh marcus's mood he's much more happy he's he's grateful that his wife introduced the two of them because now he feels like control and power is definitely within his grasp um elsewhere we see um in Nova Roma, a house of women adjacent to Juliana Circus, where female slaves are housed and before their sale um, are taken care of. And so we see Rain and Amara and Danny all being pampered. Danny's having her hair combed, Rain's being washed, and the women in this bathhouse, in this in this uh, fancy uh, house of uh, uh, house of women are are just gushing and pampering these young ladies and they bring wine and the women begin to drink danny and rain both drink of the wine and amara's trying to warn them not to because it's drugged but it's too late it takes effect so quickly it dulls their senses and it makes them extremely pliable both both danny and rain and so they don't rise alarm and uh, aren't willing to put up much of a fight um and 
so it really leaves Amara, a character that we don't know from anything except for that she was somebody in last episode and what she's told us in this, and it forces the focus on her character, essentially rendering Danny and Rain both um, unconscious, uh, not unconscious, but not... It, it removes them from the story, essentially. Um, so Amara, she's sneaking around trying to figure out a way to... She's got to get these young women out of here, she's, she's decided. And so she goes to try to wake them, but they're not willing to wake up. They're both asleep. It's night. They're, they're, they're done. Like, this drug has made them completely willing to be here. Uh, and it, it kind of puts them in this like dreamlike state where, where, where it's almost like everything they see is a dream. And even though it might be horrible, there's always, they believe that they'll, they'll wake from it, even though it's really happening. And so like Amara's not having success. And so she's decided that, that if she can't take them, uh, she's going to have to try to, um, she's going to have to escape. And so she begins uh to leave um to to uh to leave this uh house of women and all of a sudden she's uh begins to stagger and um uh has to grab onto a curtain to, to prevent herself from falling and she lets out a scream and she she can't stand and she's really struggling. She's feeling weak and uh, dizzy. And she realizes something is wrong, but she, she doesn't know what. And then she is hit again by another uh, bout of pain. And she wants to scream, and this time she holds it in. She doesn't, she doesn't want to give away, you know, her presence. Uh, and she, she slips down along a wall. Uh, and... and she's it's she's under in extreme pain she's never felt anything like this before uh and that these attacks just keep coming in waves um and and in this weakened state in this house of women leaned against the wall to her horror she is presented with selena selena standing in the doorway above and in front of amara and and She's very, very happy to see her. And Amara's in, in big trouble. And we're going to find out uh, why she's in so much trouble. Obviously, she's met the villain of the book, of this arc. So, I mean, that's part of it. But uh, Selena's kind of an odd, an odd, odd, odd character. And uh, yeah, we'll get more into her. Uh, later in this arc. So we we finally figure out where Roberto and Sam are being held, and they are basically in loincloths naked, chained to walls in this in this basement uh, uh, underneath the the circus. So it must be like the plaza, is what I'm what I'm led to believe. But anyways, uh, there's two men in this cell with them and they're both training with weapons and what we figure out pretty quickly is that this is a gladiatorial uh area and um 
the boys, the, the two new mutants, Sam and Roberto, are not able to use their abilities. They've been drugged, and that drug is affecting them. It's keeping them weak and unable to free themselves. Because the Romans do know, at least the guards and the the people that are holding them there, have realized that, that their powers could allow them to get free. And so... They find out from these two gladiators that tomorrow they're going to be fighting in the arena. Uh, So the next day, uh, the stands fill and we see Selena and Marcus both uh, coming, uh, coming to the, to the arena and they, they are in the, Senate box, and with them they are accompanied by the two slave women, Daniel Moonstar and Rain Sinclair, and they are both decked out in beautiful gowns, wearing jewelry, and very, um, their eyes are glazed over, and their movements, uh, are languid, and this really lets us know it, you know, just from the way that they're acting, that they're still being affected by the drug. But if you didn't realize that from the way they've been drawn, uh, Claremont makes sure to point that out in the narration. Uh, and into the arena comes two gladiators ready to do battle, and the other two are being prepared. And the other two that we, we see pretty quickly... Uh, have been dreadest and basically looks as though they're wearing leather armor and that's Sam and Roberto and just as they're about their arms are tied behind their back and just as they're about to head out into the arena they are forced to drink uh, they're forced to drink uh, wine that has also been drugged and uh, this this is going to induce a rage, a berserker rage in them. It will allow them to use their powers, but they won't be able to stop fighting. They're going to be forced to fight until one of them is dead. Is the other one of them has killed the other one, and uh, it's going to increase their endurance and resistance to pain, um, and it'll make up for any lack of skill that that they have in handling weapons. Um, and, and so both of them quickly, uh, real, realize that they've got to try to, to, to resist the urge to kill. Um, but Bobby is not willing to do that. He's enraged. He feels betrayed. He's angry about his mom. He, he feels hopeless. And when Bobby feels hopeless, his, his go-to reaction, when he feels helpless and hopeless and weak, it's to do that, do to use his powers and to slash out, and and that's what he does. He he throws himself at these two gladiator gladiator opponents and uh, knocks them flying, and and the crowd's going wild and enjoying the fight. And Dan and and Sam looks up to the stands and he sees Rain and Danny, and they're both uh, just enthralled and. Uh, overjoyed at the sight of this battle and 
these huge war machines with spiked rollers are being pushed out onto the floor and dragged, apparently being, I would guess, dragged by horses, maybe they're giant chariots with, like, metal spiked wheels, but anyways, you wouldn't want to get run over by this, it wouldn't, it does not seem, and Sam just lets go, he, he, rockets towards them as his body ignites his legs uh burst into flames and he's can't he flies through this thing he shatters it destroying it sending these uh roman soldiers flying Roberto drops behind beneath uh, uh horses that were galloping towards him uh pulling a chariot uh even though he's uh He's super strong. He's he could be you know his body could be stomped, stamped, stamped, uh, crushed under the horse's hooves. So it's extremely dangerous. Uh, but he is able to avoid being um, trampled by the horses. And as he as the chariot clears his body, he grabs the the, the back of it and pulls it and the horses and flings them in through the air. Uh, Roberto takes out another. Uh, chariot and uh, Sam takes out the last tank this leaves only the two boys and Sam smashes into the back of Roberto and remember they're in a berserker rage the drug has an effect on them that just forces them to desire to fight and they lose control of their senses at this point and you know, it's similar to a character, Wolverine. Um, and, and I'm going to bring this up momentarily here. It's going to be a little aside, but uh, Roberto is a big fan of Wolverine. Some of you may know, and he's a fan of being an X-Men. Uh, I, too, am a huge fan of Wolverine. I actually got into my comic book collecting through that character. Uh, and if you are a fan of Wolverine, and uh, as I am, I highly recommend you check out talk shinked um that's a great podcast by my friend ryan he uh he's he covers story arcs he covers chunks of comics uh wolverine comics specifically uh this last month september he's been covering um canada related material he had a tribute to len ween beautiful tribute to len ween uh and he's been talking a lot alpha flight um, so if you're into Wolverine or Alpha Flight, I highly recommend hop over to Talk Shank, check it out. It's a great, great podcast. But uh, let's let's get back on topic. So in their berserker rages, these two Numians do battle, and uh, they're they're not they're they're ready to kill each other. Roberto. When when Sam had attacked Roberto, he hit him in the back, and Roberto remembers having their first encounter in the graphic novel and that in that same fight he was struck in the back by Sam and he calls him out for it and the two launch themselves at each other and in this beautiful fight scene Roberto and Sam collide and there's this loud boom and both are laying on the ground uninjured thankfully but without their powers anymore it has drained them both of their ability of their abilities and roberto launches himself at sam and they trump tumble around on the ground rolling around and rain we see this face this this scene of her this 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 image of her and 
it is this panel and and she is just like in bloodlust she's calling them telling yelling towards them kill kill him kill him and and at, by this point sam is straddling roberto and he's punching him in the face and roberto ignites his uses his sunspot abilities he he becomes sunspot and he begins strangling sam and we see this another panel rain's face and she talks about Sam and it and here's what she says no not him he must not be harmed I must save him and what we're beginning to see is this she's attracted to Sam and uh you know she's she's at this moment she's trying to get out of the stadium out of the stands right she wants to go down and help Sam prevent Roberto from from harming uh from killing him and and so she's pulling away from two guards she becomes she transforms into her wolf state and she jumps down into the arena floor uh danny at this moment right these two girls are still under the influence of that drug well when wolf's being transforms into that wolf's form her wolf form this jars that psychic rapport those two have that psychic link that Danny has with rain it it clears her mind it 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 breaks the whole the, the effect of the drug has over her and she sees what's happening and realizes she has to do something and quickly and here she's pushed again to use her abilities in a way that we've not seen her use them right so she reaches into their minds and she pulls an image she she manifests an image. She doesn't even use their mind. She just manifests an image of Professor Xavier, right? It's something that would have been in their in their minds, but it wasn't something that was there now. It wasn't a terrible fear, and it wasn't a terrible joy. It was just something that that she felt could potentially be useful, and so this image appears, and they see Xavier, this head of Xavier, and, and it's enough to jar them all free of the influence. And so the New Mutants all, you know, rain rains down with the boys in the arena floor, and Danny joins them down there, and the crowd is just going nuts at this point you know they were they were ready for them to kill each other they were screaming and and joyful now that they've seen the use of the powers they're beginning to call them uh they're 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 calling them uh spawns of the black priestess priest demons uh archers you know open fire and at this moment at this moment as the archers have drawn their bows and the new mutants are standing down in the arena floor you know, pretty much just ready to be black, shot, you know, full of arrows. Marcus Domitus Gallus, the the gentleman that is with us, Selena, the, the dark priest, priestess, he tells them to lay down their bows. And he, and he calls them, um, he tells the citizens of Nova Roma to not be afraid, but to rejoice because... The ancient prop prophecies have been fulfilled, and uh, that these sacred games uh, have shown that 
that through these sacred games that that he's held here, he now has champions, and he gives them the laurel wreath of triumph. Uh, here's what he says: Behold, citizens, the one whose hair marks her as a descendant of our divine patron, Gallius Julius Caesar and whose miraculous transformation reveals her to be of the same blood as the she-wolf who suckled Romulus and Remus, founders of Mother Rome, and herself. These are not children of men, but of immortal gods, and I welcome them among us. And so, in this moment of... I mean, for a bad guy, this guy's great. Like, I really enjoy him, because... That's beautiful. He's taken, you know, it's it's serendipitous. He's lucky that Rain uh, turns into a wolf. But he uses the the people's belief in these gods to to really basically get himself what he's always wanted, which is pawns, which he sees as pawns. He can use these. Uh, children and their abilities to consolidate power and so he'll have their abilities to aid him and he will be able to use the sight of this Roman uh, wolf and and you know he'll be able to utilize this this manifestation of, of rain's powers as a symbol to help push him his agenda further along. Um, so right now the, the new mutants are safe. They're not going to be killed. Uh, we don't know what's happened to Amara. We do know that she had a run in with Selena and we don't know what that, what these two event, what these two events, the capture of Amara and the new mutants, uh, this incident in, uh, the arena, what those, how those play out for, uh, Senator Aquila yet. I'm sure we'll find out in the next issue how that plays out. But here this is where we're at. This is the this is this is how this issue wraps up. That really the bad guys got the upper hand at this point. Um the new mutants and and the thing about it is the new mutants have been separated from Amara, so we don't know they're not able to really know what's going on. You know, they don't really have the information to to really understand who's good and who's bad and who's on their side and who has their best interests at 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 hand. And so, you know, right now they are in the perfect position to be pawns. And I, I you know, I'm really enjoying this arc. The first time I re- read it, I didn't. I don't know that I that I really enjoyed it as much as I am this time around. The more critical I have been with it, and you know, really honestly, the more critical I was with the with the initial story arcs. Um, these first ten issues, first nine issues, have been a blast, though. And uh, you know, even the stuff that I'm not a big fan of, I've really enjoyed. Um, you know, part of that is I just really appreciate Chris Claremont, and and some of it is too that I just really enjoy the artwork. And the more I really am critical of the artwork, the more I enjoy the books. It's uh, odd, but that's kind of where we're at. Um, so yeah, that's that's how this issue is going to wrap up. Uh, the next issue is going to be entitled 
betrayal. That's issue number 10. Who thought we'd get to 10? I certainly didn't. Um, I wasn't sure I'd get past two issues. So thanks to you, the listeners, as always, for for tuning in. And like I said, we'll get into issue number 10 next week. Um, but before we you know, wrap up, I, I do want to take some time to talk about a theory I came up with um, about last issue, uh, concerning last issue. So before we wrap this issue up, um, I want to just touch on something I started talking about earlier in the episode, and that was the lack of diversity in Nova Roma. It's, it's a city that is settled mostly by, or was settled by Romans, founded by Romans, but also took in a large number of Incans as they fled their conquerors of, from conquerors of the land. Um, yet we see no, no sign of anyone with dark skin. Everyone has light skin from the Roman senators to the slaves, to the population, to the soldiers. No one, none of them have any sort of dark skin, which is odd. You'd think that maybe that that even if they'd intermarried, there would be some uh, people with darker skin, but we don't see any. Um, and it's something that I'm going to keep an eye on as we continue into the next issue and throughout this, this story arc. Uh, otherwise, I'm enjoying this arc. I do like the political intrigue. It's quite interesting. Um, this this comic, this book in particular, introduces a character that is uh, quite retcon heavy. Um, Selena is uh, a huge retcon plot point for a lot of writers. Her character's been retconned quite a bit. Uh, she has a very complex history and is not really very many people's favorite villain, I don't think. Uh, but this is her first appearance. And she is pretty much an enemy of Amara from the beginning. And we're going to see that unfold in the next issue. Um, another thing I'm kind of debating, I had debated on touching on, I'm just going to do it. Uh, something that I noticed last issue and I started thinking about after I recorded the last episode was uh, Roberto's mother's name is Nina. And if you know anything about history, I'm a huge, I, I have a degree in history, I'm a history buff. Um, and then I started thinking about this. Remember his mother's name's Nina. Columbus had three ships. One of them was named Nina. Nina is on a boat going up the Amazon. She discovers a new world, new Rome. Uh, or she was part of the reason that the new mutants discovered it. And what we see is Amara Aquila change from a native, a native woman to a white woman. And I don't know if that is the intent of this story arc that, uh, because in, in American history, we have, uh, at the turn of the century and just prior to that, we were, our country, our government was, and, and religious leaders, social leaders, pretty much everybody was a big fan of the idea of, of, of civilization of all cultures. The idea being that you could breed out, um, make everyone the same, uh, breed out cultural differences, and, and the idea that maybe you could change the savage into the civilized person. That was something our government believed wholeheartedly in. And I kind of wonder if that's what the idea of Nina going up the Amazon and changing a, a savage, a native, into 
a civilized person. I don't know if that's what was intended. It just struck me as odd. And then we see Nova Roma, only white people, no natives. It's just something that is bouncing around in my head. It might just be a, a, a plot point that they didn't bother to talk about because it wasn't of super importance today, I think, in our in the in the climate and in the culture that we have today in comics, I think that we would see more diversity in these in these pages, uh, different time, different era, uh, different concerns for sure. Uh, but otherwise, short of those few points, I am really enjoying. Like I said, I'm really enjoying the story arc. I like the political intrigue, uh, and yeah, we'll be diving into um, issue number 10 of New Mutants uh, next week, next Wednesday, and uh, that is entitled Betrayal. So please uh, stay tuned, and until then, keep reading those comics. James Explores the New Mutants is, as always, recorded in Iowa City, Iowa, and produced by myself using the Anchor app. New episodes are available every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. You can reach the podcast on Twitter at Explore New Mutant or via email at ExploreTheNewMutants at gmail.com. Anchor has this awesome voicemail feature, which allows you, the listener, to record about minute-long questions or comments and send them directly to my voicemail box. Um, and which I can then take and add directly into the podcast and then answer those directly on air. Um, it's a great way for you listeners to become enveloped, and I highly com- encourage it. I love, uh, I love involvement, obviously. Um, so f- please feel free to uh, hit me up on Twitter, send me emails, uh, or, or use the voicemail feature. However you want to get a hold of me is fine. I would be more than happy to answer questions, field comments, um, or answer concerns as well. Um, So yeah, I really enjoy doing this podcast as always. I really, really, really adore it. It's been great, um, and I can't wait to get into next week's episode. So until then, keep reading those comics.